Lima, Delta, Echo. Lima, Delta, Echo. This is in between stations radio broadcasting from Flagstaff, Arizona, USA. station? No. <laughs> no? It's snowing out there, dumbass. <sighs> yeah, I know it's snowing. Well, I'm hungover and I don't want to drive in a blizzard. How much is it snowed out there? Currently, about a hundred feet or more. <laughs> and besides, Leo is still asleep. Who? Crazy Leo DeFranco, the sugar sniffer, <laughs> who currently smells like burnt eggs. Which one's he? He's the guy who fixed the transmission on my 64 Cadillac, while taking 23 grams of psilocybin mushrooms. <laughs> and then kept thinking I was his ex-wife whom he hadn't paid child support to in three years. What? After a few drinks he calmed down and finally realized it was me. <laughs> You're crazy, Murky. Anyway, give me a few minutes and I'll try and get the old caddy to the radio station. But I'm telling you, David, there's a lot of snow out there. Yeah, it's it's coming down here. We have about a foot of snow or more. Um, be safe coming to the station. And uh, turn on your shortwave radio and you might be able to pick up our last night's broadcast. Yeah, I'll do that. While having a stiff drink and fishtailing <laughs> the back of my car all the way down the road. All right, see you when you get to the station then. I'll be there, but it might take a while. Okay, bye. Shut up, dumbass. <laughs> Good morning, as I already said, and we're going to get things started out here. Uh, we had a really uh, rainy night that turned quickly into snow, a big snowstorm, in fact. 
I was going to go out to Hopi and do my broadcast from there, but um, we're going to stay here in Flagstaff here in the deep snow and carry on with our little uh, broadcast here that's moving on towards New Year's, but I don't want to date this too much, so we're just going to talk a little bit about time um, and what that means, <laughs> especially here at the end of a old year and the beginning of a new year. Play a few songs and have some have some fun and hopefully Murky will be here pretty soon. <laughs> or somewhere during the broadcast she'll pop in. So let's just start on with things. Let's let's do a let's do a nice song to open up things this morning. Uh, if you're just getting out of bed or giving your lover a kiss or having some coffee or maybe you didn't go to sleep at all last night and you're just laying there in the bed looking up in the darkness listening to in between stations radio we're going to start you out with a song here <laughs> okay one two three let's go
Good early morning or good evening, depending on what side of the earth you're on. <laughs> Northern hemisphere, Southern hemisphere. Or are you actually unconscious in a hospital bed? Or are you dreaming? Here we are at the end of another year and we're contemplating what have we done with our lives the last year? <laughs> I'm sure everybody's thinking that at some show or radio program as it is, like in between stations radio. What do you think of that, Murky? Well, I think it sucked big time, driving here in the snow. Well, we're glad you made it here, Murky, in one piece. And you got the old Cadillac up the hill, and you're here in the radio studio, and we're carrying on with in between stations radio. So how's Leo? Oh probably fixing some other woman's transmission, and in the process consuming copious amounts of hallucinogenic mushrooms. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. All right. Good old Leo, huh? Well, he's just as stupid as any other guy down the line, but good company at night, as long as he doesn't chew bubble gum in my ear while performing his manly duties. <laughs> I, I I think I and Murky talk, didn't we? Yeah. Yeah. Right. And we we sort of want to make a broadcast that's not dated to some degree. Right. So I'm only gonna listen to this on New Year's New Year's Eve, excuse me, I have a cold, as we all do. <laughs> and ceaseless headaches, which has been something that I've experienced since COVID. Um, and among other things. I don't know how much that's actually attributed to COVID or just living in the American dream. <laughs> Do we really even need to get really sick to be already sick in this supposed reality that seems to superimpose itself on top of everything else that we view as being underneath the surface? <laughs> See how it feels. <laughs> Okay, okay, you you win. <laughs> you win. I, I won't tease you anymore. Thank you. About all your boyfriends. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> Having a drink of coffee, of course. I'm trying to keep it down to three cups today. I'm drinking a lot more coffee, coffee. That's what they used to say when I was in the South. I lived in Alabama and Georgia and the upper part of Florida for a while. And, you know, they have a whole, their vernacular, vindicular, as my great grandpa would say, is, is interesting. And coffee <laughs> is what they'd say when we say coffee. Now, you know, it, it depends on where you're at. Everybody has a different, and guff. Let's go guffing. So, I, anyway, I'm having a drink of coffee. And we're going to think a little bit about time today. What does, what does it mean, this whole concept of time? And who's governing, who is governing that? Who's teaching us that this is what time is? And even the word itself is very abstract. And so, but it seems fairly concrete when you're going to work and you have a job and you have a mortgage on your house and you're trying to make, meet bills or you're going to get married or you're going to get divorced or your husband or wife are having an affair and you're just on the edge of <laughs> some really traumatic things. Yeah, time. Murky, what do you uh what do you think about that whole this this whole concept of time? 
Especially, you know, I've come to term it, and you know this too well, because <laughs> you complain sometimes. Well, I finally had it with all the debt. Which means I'm no longer enslaved to my other three jobs as a waitress. I paid off all my credit cards. Cut them up. No more bank loans. Only pay cash for the things I need. My dad gave me his Cadillac. And then I make all my boyfriends buy my groceries or take me out to eat. Only bill I have now, is all the beer I drink on the weekend. And then paying off the police to not give me tickets for speeding. <laughs> so, so you pay off the cops, huh, Murky? Yeah, right. Well, you're cute enough, you could probably get away with it. <laughs> but, but if you don't make some kind of conscious decision... Uh, to change your life the way you've grown up and, and watched everybody else do the same thing. You get in debt, you get these mortgages, you take out these loans. You always have a new car every two or three months or you're just trying to pay off the used one you have. Then you're up against the wall and you have this, this nine to five reality, as I call it. The nine, the, the nine to five reality. This uh, situation we live in almost daily, unless we're going on a vacation or you get the weekend, you're involved in the 9 to 5 reality. And I've explained this before. It's, it's dictated by your job. It's dictated by your employer. It's dictated by the, the demand of your bills and, and, and the house you live in and the groceries you have to buy. And it can be argued that that's always been a problem throughout, throughout time. <laughs> But I think what I want, want to look at today is how we're pre-programmed since we've come out of the womb. How, and if you go to different cultures, and I do a lot, I can drive 85 miles and be in a totally different culture and listen all day to a language that's not my, the language I grew up with, Hopi. And I have some older traditional friends. I like to, and I've explained before what the word traditional means. You're educated in that culture, in that and that religious system the Hopis have that's thousands of years old. And not everyone can claim that word traditional because it's an educational process involving societies and clans and the Kiva on both the male and female side. It's a, it's a total life commitment. And as, as we get, as Hopis get more involved in the educational process and the work world of the invader, as some of them say, um, they, there's less emphasis on the traditional lifestyles. And so these older Hopis have, that's been educated for many years uh, in their societies and clans. It's a very, it's an extreme discipline actually. And um, it takes a real commitment to take on that term traditional or elder in places like Zuni or Hopi or these long-term tribal systems that's been around thousands of years. So, yeah, traditional. Marky, have you uh, been to Hopi? Yes, oh. you know oh, I've you, been oh, to Hopi. That's right, you have, several times. We went together, right? Yeah, right. Do you like Hopi? I love it. Yeah. Cool place, huh? Do you, do you, do you have any boyfriends there? <laughs> Whatever. Sorry. So, um, so as you involve yourself with different cultures that are outside of what I call the so-called Western format, something you're familiar with since you've been young, the, the culture of America, the, the, the American dream, the American work ethic, 
that even if you do have a culture, you're involved overall in that process. But if you can get outside of that, going to another country, speaking another language, especially an ancient or an older indigenous language, is not really oriented towards um, the way we do things the last 250 years. In fact, often is outside of that. And that is where you begin to see and question the whole... uh, the whole aspect of the way time is governed by dates and by clocks, often things that are in, uh, controlled by your employer. You know, you're on the clock and you're going to do exactly what you're told. And, you know, time is money and money is time. And this organization needs to have a better year every year. You know, you've heard this. I've heard it. It was in the army, <clears throat> actually. There's just this whole indoctrination and dogma that comes along with, the, with time, the mission in the army, Zulu time. You're on the, you're on the airplane with your, uh, with your stick, with your, with your co-paratroopers, uh, and you gotta, you have to go on a mission. That's one way to look at a war. And there's other ways where you're defending yourself and who you are, and I understand that. But there's also all this awful propaganda that goes on. And, I think what we fail to see a lot of times is there's different strategies of being successful and they're not always like ours. You just look at the, the natural life of animals and insects and you see the, uh, there's so many different strategies to being successful. And some creatures, according to the fossil record, have been around a lot longer than Homo sapiens. And they have a lot of things to tell you about how to be successful, how to govern your life, how to store food, how to build things. The Zuni and Hopi, the ants are very sacred beings. They're these socially perfect beings that teach balance, that teach how do you live in a desert? How do you, where do you find water? They, they teach you how to live in, in a sort of discipline. And they've been observed for thousands of years. This is an incredible creature. You find it even in the Old Testament of our Bible. You know, these, yea, these, what, four things be wise. And I think one of them is an ants. There's different ways to be successful. There's different ways to look. Beautiful is not the same in, in every culture. Of course, now with, with uh, media and, and the web and digital reality, we're starting to make it, we're starting to set a standard where everyone needs to look like this movie you're watching, this avatar you're seeing, this role. That, and, and so there's they're starting to be more of a, a, a sort of world view of things. If you, but there's also people starting to reject that, saying, no, that, that's not what we think. That's not how we feel. That's my... <laughs> There's the cuckoo clock. What do you think of that cuckoo clock, Murky? Well, the clock only goes cuckoo once or twice. You, on the other hand, are cuckoo 24, 7. Um, all right, I know. I'm getting too... Uh, um, uh, yes, you're right, Murky. I'm lecturing. You get tired of that? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Let's get back to the time thing. Right. Okay. Wait. Uh, well, it's all, it's involved. I'm trying to explain how. Merck, have you ever done hallucinogenics other than alcohol? <laughs> you have? Yeah. Really? Well, Several times. And for sure every year at the Burning Man in the Black Rock Desert where I go off into the hallucinogenic spaceship for nudity and love, and then doing occasional art projects as well, and riding my bicycle mushroom donut machine into the vast and endless wilderness of free love. What, what, what? Okay, all right, all right. 
So what, what do you think that does to, to your reality when you, what, what, what have you, uh, what have you taken? Mushrooms, F- psilocybin or the other type that um, are based on a, a similar experience, but a little more, um, psilocybin chaotic. fungus, commonly known as magic mushrooms. A lot? Yeah. Yeah? <laughs> right. Me too. The first few times I took more than I should have. Uh, in fact, a huge amount. Had a very traumatic <laughs> experience. What did that do for reality? What did that do? To, I mean, what did that do to your nine to five well, reality? Putting aside my joking around, it basically shattered my reality. For good. I'll never be the same again. Yeah. It, it, it messes it up, huh? Yep. Big time. You want to go to a song? Yeah. yeah me too. Uh, so we're going to play one of your songs or one of mine? Let's do one of yours. One of mine? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> okay. Um, what should I play? Well, it's close to the new year, so let's do something about time. Okay. And then you, you on, on our next break, you can play one of your, one of your songs. Cool. All right. Okay, here we go. Ready? One, two, three. Me, he loves me not. Say 
Nothing but love in you Then if you fall Once and for all I'll see my dreams come true Moments to spare For someone you care for Our love affair for two With time on my hands And you in my arms And love in my heart for you First song, Asked Flowers to Tell You, 1913, uh, was taken from one of Frank L. Bonham's plays. You know, the guy that wrote The Wizard of Oz and all those books that went along with that whole concept. <laughs> I don't know if you've ever read any of those. They're kind of crazy, at least for me. And, um... Yeah, and this play is interesting as well because it has it has this concept of the mechanical man, the TikTok man that you wind up, and he's kind of like this first synthesis with with humans and machines. You know, and Frank L. Bonham sort of he kind of foreseen a telephone, he foreseen uh, computers, um, and. All kinds of interesting... He, this guy is kind of a visionary in some ways. He was, he's a little bit racist, especially with Native Americans. But he, he, he uh, was very very interesting author with children's books. I find his stuff to be really bizarre and complex. And, you know, it, it also ties in with this, with this huge tradition of drug use in Americans. In particular, opium, derivatives, and coca, and... That later became cocaine was widely used by people like we use aspirin and motrin now <laughs> and laudium which is a 
uh, was a, a combination of opium and alcohol mixes that they gave kids to sleep by and to relax by. They still, they have, you can still get, you can still get treatments with it. It's, it's, it's kind of addictive and fairly toxic. And I think it ties into this hallucinogenic thing that I, I and Murky were talking about, you know, mushroom use and uh, psilocybin mushrooms. And I think people tapped into that more common-wise, you know, having these experiences with uh, opium and, and uh, co cocaine. It's something you could just go buy in the store and drink it. Hey, you know, my kid's crying the baby's crying, so give him some laudan, you know? Give him, uh, give him a little uh, eyedropper full of uh, opium and alcohol mixture. That'll calm him down. And I'm sure that ties into this kind of imaginary state of being and creativity. I, I don't know. I'm just guessing there. But the, the, main, the main theme of those two songs is how I think being in love with someone can really change the way you look at the world change this whole concept of time you know time's relative when you're enjoying yourself or you're involved in a beautiful relationship a romance time passes by very quickly and uh, these two songs address that you know when i'm with you when you know when I, or when i'm not with you time just seems to drag on and on but when i'm with you you know it's it it goes very quickly <laughs> It's this whole relative state of time and how when someone tries to get absolute with something as abstract as time, it's it's a little strange. And I think business people and corporations and the jobs we work know they have to manipulate this factor of time because you're working for them. and You get paid to work for them and in essence they control and own you when you're on the clock. And this, uh, uh, this TikTok man in The Wizard of Oz is this odd sort of mechanical man you have to always wind up. Uh, this sort of, as it is, unemotional. Uh, but it ties into this whole thing with romance, too. You know, can, in a lot of time travel, a lot of time travel novels, and there's some good ones. Uh, one of the fantastic movies taken from the book, I think, Bid Time Farewell, Somewhere in Time, is a, Really great classic example of how romance ties into time travel and um, how it can alter the whole aspect of time, especially if it's a failed romance. And so it's, it's an interesting look at time, romance, how people can own time or how you can be free from the rigors of time in, in a romance. It seems to like allow you to break through the thresholds of time. So it's a good concept to use in a novel, romance and time travel. I mean, when you're deeply in love with someone and you're involved in a romance, wow, time just, it kind of just stops. It's, it's a fascinating uh, endeavor that um, when you look at time, love, and, and when you're really involved in something, enjoying it, especially artists know this, and when you're involved in the process of creating a painting, when you're creating a painting, it just time you can spend 12, 18 hours working on a painting, and it just seems like <laughs> it just goes by so so quickly when you're when you're really engrossed in something and you're working on an idea. Or I mean, the process of time really is relative. It's it's, it's in our minds, and I think 
hallucinogenic uh, substances can really alter the time factor. I think it's interesting. We live in a society where time is all about money, where it's owned, where there's monopoly on time. We're always in a hurry to get somewhere. Why? And that's, that's an interesting question. Why are we in a hurry? What, why are we moving? Is, is it to enjoy ourselves? Is it to make more money? Is it to get as much as we can in one day? And what does that mean? Why do we have to get as much as we can in one day? And it's this whole concept of time is linear and you only have so much of it. And I think when you, when you move into these tribal situations, you see that the element of time isn't like that, especially uh, when you look at ancient culture uh, in terms of uh, tribes and, and concepts like that. A really great novel for time travel and romance. And it, it, I think in, to some degree that the movie Somewhere in Time, that stars Christopher Reeves, uh, is based on the novel Time, Time and Again by, by Jack Finney. It's an absolutely fascinating uh, time travel novel. Uh, and it, 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 they build this huge machine and uh but it's it's about manipulating the mind to 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 believe that to to experience uh going back in time to to um victorian new york city i believe and he falls in love with a woman in that time period and he's from the 1970s and and it's about traveling back and forth between these, those two time periods and, and him falling. He has a failed romance in the 1970s and falls in love with this woman after the great fire in New York City or something like that. It's just, it's a very fascinating book and a good read. It's just, I, I think it's interesting how the mind itself and the way we experience time and as I'll talk more about that, we're kind of locked in this concept of the era we're born into, the culture we're born into. It teaches us how to deal with the concept of time. And as we approach, you know, coming to the end of the new year, that or coming to the end of the old year, we start to contemplate what does time mean? And, and, and I think when you get in some of these tribal societies or you participate in these ceremonies, uh, and you're using these hallucinogenic substances that go along with the discipline of a ceremony. Notice I say the discipline of a ceremony. There's very set patterns and ways to do things. And there's fasting and there's praying. And so it's not just getting high. And you experience these other realms of thought. And they really, in these other realms of reality, that break up this factor of time. And it's just this very interesting often cultural way that we look at time. Why are we always in a hurry? Well, some societies and some cultures aren't in a hurry. Why are we less in a hurry when we're in the natural world, when you're in the forest or when you're up in the mountains versus when you're in a car or you're on a computer? And this whole thing about augmented reality that, that uh, L. Frank Baum kind of introduces in his, in his books, uh, which we now call virtual reality. What, what's going on there? What, what's the time factors when you're in that reality versus the physical reality? And where's your body the whole time when your mind's always looking at a screen, always involved in that process? Where's your body when you're in a dream? Why is the time factor, and I've talked about this before, when you're dreaming, you can, you, you can experience lifetimes and minutes sometimes. 
Yeah. You know, you have a dream that seems like years went on, and you wake up and you realize, hey, I've been asleep for maybe 45 minutes or an hour here, and I just dreamed an entire lifetime. The, the time element is this very abstract thing. I Sometimes I think we're deceived to think it's so solid. Even with the rising and setting of the sun, who sets that as a day? Who sets that as this nine to five reality? When really it's, it can... Can you be thousands of years long? The second song we played, Time on My Hands. These uh, David Fleischner cartoons are so amazing. I'm a huge fan of, of them, especially the coloring process. Amazing animation. I'm not too big of a fan of the newer animation we do with computers now. The stuff that was done on stills and painted was amazing, and Fleischner, I think, was probably the the great genius, the pinnacle of that animation, that time period. Anyway, you can watch a Fleischner cartoon with a sort of Felix the Cat character <laughs> that goes under the ocean and all the... It's, it's sort of trippy. It's almost drug-like. <laughs> uh, and you can watch the cartoon as the song plays. And then I think Ethel Merman does a sing-along... <laughs> At the end of the cartoon, where you follow the ball, and then you and you sing the words uh, to "Time on My Hands," you know this romance, uh, and it, it's just it's, it's interesting. You should check that out if you get time. Anyway, that's the history of those two songs. We kind of got off the subject here, right, Murky? Do you like Fleischner? I think you told me, you, uh, yeah, you do, huh? I absolutely <laughs> love David Fleischer 1930s animation, but not straight. Yeah, right. You know but a bit high on something good, you know, to enhance the whole effect of the beautiful colors and movement of the cartoons. Okay, yeah. All right, let's move on here. You know, I've, um, I've learned to walk around inside my own head. Now, that may sound silly to you, but it's been very, very helpful to me. Let, let me show you how it's done in case you want to try it. Now first I have to close my eyes. And then I go through certain mental configurations. And by this means I can dissolve through the outer epidermal layer. Like this. And some other layers here. There. Now when you first come to the brain, you have to pass through the medulla oblongata. That's where things like breathing and the heartbeat and glands are controlled. It's, it's kind of like plumbing. It's not very interesting. But if you keep going, you cross into the cerebrum. And that's where all your thoughts are. You know, when I first came to my cerebrum here, there were thoughts scattered all over. The place was a mess. Old mathematical formula, bits of poetry, and telephone numbers were all mixed up together. It was terrible. Over the years, I've been able to organize. Now, in this part of my brain, for instance, I keep thoughts about my family. There go some family thoughts. That's a great family. There's my wife, parents, my Uncle Ray, there goes Cousin Barbara, my nephew Evan, Uncle Charlie. Oh, Uncle Charlie. We can't stand each other. I've been meaning to refile him under enemies. Now, those are some of my family thoughts now. On the other hand, over here, in this part of my brain, I've got my scientific thoughts. Mathematics, physics, 
Thoughts on astronomy? But to tell you the truth, I never was very good at science. Anyway, I, I think you get the idea. Say, now that we're here, let me show you some of my good thoughts. I have a special section of extra good thoughts that I'm very proud of. They're, they're right over here. Oh, yeah. Mm. Lovely. <laughs> That's a nice thought. Isn't that beautiful? Of course, I've got some evil thoughts, too. I, I guess everybody does. Hey, you want to see my evil thoughts? I keep them over here, in this part of my brain. They're greedy thoughts. Gluttony. Hate. Lust. <laughs> well, that's enough of that. Uh, let's, let's go into something nicer. I've got a great collection of uh, personal memories. They're right over this way, and... Oh, I almost forgot. To get to that part of my mind, we have to pass through another area. My fears. It's, it's a little scary, but uh, we'll go fast, okay? I think you can see how organizing your brain like this can be very helpful. It, uh, we're getting to the fears. <laughs> I hate this part. Oh, boy. <laughs> Gee, oh, spiders, man. I hate spiders. Uh, that one really gets me. Oh, brother. Uh, I wish we could get rid of that one. over with. At least there's an advantage to lumping all your fears together so, so they don't get mixed up with other things. Anyway, here, here we are in my personal memories. There, that's the house I grew up in. Oh, there goes Mary Lou, my first girlfriend. And here's a circus I saw as a kid. Oh, <laughs> that's a little fear I must have gotten out of place somehow. I'm, I'm sorry about that. Um, but here, here's, here's a cottage where we spent summers and mix up there. There's, um, well, there's the high school when I was... Oh, boy. Now, something's going wrong here. No, no, what's that? No, no. This is all wrong. It's not supposed to. Oh, no. I'm out of control here. No. I've got to get out of here. Well, uh, I wonder if it would help if I filed things alphabetically. I think one of the interesting things is when you spend, uh, when you have this thing called cultural shock, and you, you know, and and your culture doesn't work, the way you think and the and the way you do, and in your capitalistic endeavors or socialistic endeavors, doesn't work in the tribal system you're in, yeah, and 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 your language is secondary to theirs, and, and they think a different way, and their ceremonies work a different way. And then they have an approach to the to the natural resources and the animals differently than you do. And there's a whole, uh, you know, there's a whole protocol. This gets back to this whole thing with the Aborigines in Australia, who are just because of fossil records and all all the work that's been done there, we can go back sixty thousand years. They've been around a long time. I'm not saying other tribes haven't been around that long. It's just we know in particular that. The Australian Aborigines, which is a, which is set, I think over 200 tribes. It isn't just one group. It's a lot of tribes that have variances in language and they've been around a long, long, long time. And then their ancestral memory reaches back to the Pleistocene, to the Ice Age, into this, this age of epic floods. And then epic droughts last close to a thousand years. These are in the ancestral memory of the Aborigine. The Aboriginal, Aborigines dream time, as we call it, is this is this is this great it's called great time it, it 
it supersedes like our nine to five reality. It's great time where you exist in the present tense always, and and, you, and this is where you go when you die, and you and you and you recirculate and come back as as, as different manifestations. And it's this whole mythology of, of the timeless. You know, when you read a book, the person in that novel doesn't age. They they're kind of set in a time and a narrative that you, you keep going back to it and returning to 1922 and to the World War and to after World War One. You know, George George Franklin come home from 1918 war and, and it goes through his, his trauma and, and his marriage and his life and, and, and getting over to all of those things. And it's all, when you return that back book, it's always going back to that narrative, that time. It, it, the time is locked in the story. And so, there, it, in a way, it, it exists outside of the nine-to-five reality. And with the, this great time the Aborigines and a lot of tribes have, there's a greater super-reality that involves all time. It's not linear. It moves in circles. In fact, many different circles that go in and go out, that breathe in and breathe out. And, and all animals and all living things exist in this scope. And then we get in this, uh, I'm trying to think of the German word. And in fact, I think this is what I wanted to name this series until Murky <laughs> changed my mind. She's always like, let's be like what? Well, if we get off on tangents and things just go on and on and on, then the poor listener might decide to turn the station, turn down the sound, or just move on to other things. Right, let's be entertaining, right? Let's not get off on this lecture. important it is to bring about in the human mind the radical revolution, the crisis is a crisis in consciousness, a crisis that cannot anymore accept the old norms the old patterns, the ancient traditions. And considering what the world is now, with all the misery, conflict, destructive brutality, aggression, and so on, man, is still as he was, is still brutal, violent, aggressive, acquisitive, competitive, and he has built a society along these lines. It's this German word, Zeitgeist. Geist is ghost, and it's this whole concept of the collective experience of time 
in that particular of time and reality in that particular time period. So the zeitgeist, the ghost in time, is the way we we operate in that time period. Say the 1920s, which is a big something I really I like, and I read a lot of literature from that time period, uh, especially uh, post and pre World War One. In fact, I actually liken it to this time period in many ways. This this uh, bit of time just before the Great Wars take, take, took place, one World War One and World War Two, and I think in many ways we're kind of at that vent- that conjuncture in time, uh, where we're where the you know it was the Victorian age that that was that changed into the modern age, and now it's the modern age changing into the digital or whatever it's going to become, and there may be these huge wars we don't really see you know that's kind of how it was back then things were just starting out we didn't really see this the horror of world war one where millions of people millions of soldiers died in some battles alone in a week's time period a million people died one battle a million soldiers would be killed it's just it was a preposterous insane war and we just we had a little bit of lapse of time and we were back into world war ii and really World War II is to blame on World War One because, as I've said before in my own mind, Hitler was uh, had post-traumatic stress disorder. He was a he was a soldier. He won many wars. He was involved in combat. We have this fairly balanced person. You know, of course, propaganda is going to pervert it. But this person that was an artist that had a dog that that painted and did poetry during the war, and then he got involved in combat, and he kind of just. He became sort of this unstable, crazed person that came home to all these murdered young soldiers in World War One. He may have already had been indoctrinated with some ideas. I mean, what do we know? What we read? But if you look into the German record and look at that, it's, he's a very interesting figure because he's kind of set up to do these really insane things later on that he thinks are his his entire country had the the debt of World War One laid on top of on top of them. Then the world decided to to make the Germans pay for World War One and this and they went into this incredible depression and of course the Germans didn't want to be that way. And so this this thing called Nazism took over and, and it's it, it I don't want to get off. I have other episodes. But it's, it, I'm very interested in the World War One time period. Zeitgeist is a person or a collective of people that are that behave in a certain way, like the 1920s and the jazz age, as we term things. And you have a, a way of thinking, and you have world leaders, and you have political ideologies, and you have things like the Spanish flu and, and the Great Depression. Yeah, you have this sort of mindset. And that's what these, you know, when you read these novels and you read these, uh, the newspapers and things from the time period in the 1920s, there is an imprint on people worldwide. This zeitgeist fits, that's what it's all about. It doesn't often address tribal reality. You know, in the Amazon basin, in the Southwest, what's going on in tribes? It's been around for thousands of years. I mean, they see these things. And the rubber, the boom in South America, which was this murderous effect that, that, that killed and enslaved millions of indigenous and native people into the rubber boom. It's just, if you want to read about some some dark, horrific, you know, we have the Jewish Holocaust, which is horrible. Read about what the rubber boom did in South America. It's just, it's beyond comprehension of all the atrocities that were committed 
on indigenous people. So they, so they, yeah, they're up against the, the zeitgeist of, of, of America or of Russia or Great Britain. This, these, this sort of person of the time to make money any way you can to manipulate the rubber tree, to make tires, to, and, and, and to make it into this huge monopoly, this empire. Uh, so there's that, but when you get into a tribe that's isolated and it's not affected a lot by that, you have a totally different reality taking place. It's been taking place for thousands of years. And it's, it's just radically different than the Western mindset. So the zeitgeist doesn't change that much in the tribal reality of some of these, the, some of these tribes are, that can remain more or less untouched, or at least could. I don't know if that's the fact anymore because it's getting less and less. So the zeitgeist isn't a ghost, but it's just, a, it's, it's, it's right now. I mean, this, this t kind of living has been going on for thousands of, and that's the point is in the last 500 years was an age of reason and science. The time has been accelerated in the name of certain cultures that are in power, like Rome or like Greece or like these empires in Egypt, 3000 years or more maintained a, a, an indigenous thought process that wasn't that wasn't really subjugated or wasn't really in slavery to the time ethic the time is especially when you read hieroglyphics when you read the egyptian writing and look at the philosophies and what's going on there like in book of the dead you understand time is totally different in that culture totally different in egypt There's, it's not this punctuality it's not this ownership of time like with the uh, Aust you know with the uh, australian aborigines time is this huge long not changing thing it's 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 the great time it isn't it, it isn't linear it's it's circular and it's moving around in all these cycles and, you know we often i i brought this up so many times time is a you know history is a nightmare from which i'm trying to wake from joyce's famous novel um, ulysses that all happens in one day the look at irish contemporary irish culture versus ancient irish culture versus versus this this idea that we have that we're re repeating time over and over i don't know how true that is or if we just purposely forget and so people that are in control can allow these things to happen over and over especially in terms of socialism communism capitalism so to an indigenous person especially one that if that's even possibly days that remains untouched and if you read these histories they don't really have that problem with the time element we're, all, we're not always moving forward. We have this amount of time left before we're dead, which we don't even talk about. We have to get as much as we can. We have to get our retirement. We have to get our savings. I, to the indigenous person, especially older Hopi Zuni, it's, it's like you don't die. It's like this is, this is an ongoing thing. This is a process that takes a long time. It lasts a long time. It's psycholetic. And it's not a nightmare you're trying to wake up from. <laughs> It's actually a good thing. It's actually, uh, you, through the deep ecology, the deep knowledge of what's around you, you've, you've developed a balance with the, with the weather, with the drought, with the wet, with the too much rain, with too much heat, or, 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 or it's too cold. You've learned how to work in that system, in that environment. Hey, that particular you're getting place. a little long-winded here. I'm, I'm getting long-winded? Yeah. Right. You want to go to a song? Yeah. All right, Murky. It's you get to play the song. Cool. And, and so, what's it going to be? I'm not telling stupid head. <laughs> we have to guess. I'm going to leave it a mystery. Yeah, I know. All right. So, all right, Murky's got has a, a 
one of her songs queued up, and I'm sure it's going to be a good one. And we'll play that and come back.
Another good choice. I, I, I love your musical taste. Thanks, David. But I really like your musical taste as well. You like mine? Yeah. No, I, I know. We, we, we share, share tastes. Right. Um, right. So the Zeitgeist. This person, this collective, that have a way they behave in time and place. So you can you can look at that certain time period and you can get this feel for for how it was. And I'm not saying indigenous people don't have that because they do in their mythologies and their stories, but they also have a, a concept of a greater time underneath the surface of everything else. And the, that's the dream time when you're dreaming. I've talked about this process in my dreams, which has become even more interesting as I'm starting to document more and more this this whole these whole complex realities that take place in my narrative dreams it's, it's amazing and we don't need to go off in the <laughs> as if we don't have enough problem with multiverse and all our Hollywood movies and everything now um, so and I've, and I've talked a, a bit about that so the zeitgeist uh, the ghost in time and this is an interesting, when you look at time travel and some of these novels about it, H.G. Wells, The Time Machine, and you, and you go back and you go forward and, and, you're, and you merge into these, these mindsets of, of the future or the present or the past. And with the indigenous people, that's a circle. There's not really, and I've talked where languages like Hopi, the older forms, don't really have a present tense. You're always in the present. The present was 500 years ago. Nothing's more confusing to an outside American to hear someone talk without tenses when they're talking about something that happened 500 years ago as if it's in the present tense. That's a very indigenous mindset. I think with these experiences with ayahuasca and yopo and these really powerful hallucinogenic uh, so-called medications, uh, uh, psilocybin mushrooms, that, that you, you merge into this timeless space that really takes apart the nine to five reality. I think, uh, I can't remember, a famous author said that he found that the, the solution to world peace with the, is to make all world leaders take ayahuasca at least 13 times. <laughs> One time can shatter your reality, can shatter your concept of what is real and what's not real and, and, and what's behind uh, your culture, what's behind the time period. And there's just this timeless, powerful uh, connection to all these multi-dimensional realities in ayahuasca. We, we get stuck in this, this is how it has to be. We, we have these pursuits and everything's moving in a linear time fashion. Uh, you have these power junkies. You have socialism, communism, capitalism, Europe versus the United States, and you're, you're really stuck in this kind of like the way reality is working in a linear format. What you're supposed to be doing, you got to have all these resources, and possibly, I mean, not possibly, for sure, ayahuasca breaks that apart. It, it, it just takes this whole way that you think things are supposed to be and it just kind of throws it out the window and gives you what I like to call more real than than this real, than this 9 to 5 real. It gives you this super reality that's underneath everything else. And that's, you know, so if the world leaders take that, maybe it will change the way they see things, change reality, this preoccupation with power 
with the way it's supposed to be. Ayahuasca has this power to like totally tear that apart, like take a hammer and shatter what you think is the way it should be. That there's this this ultimate powerful reality underneath the surface of what we're preoccupied with. History is a nightmare from which we're trying to awake. It does that. It wakes you it wakes you up. It says, look, this is ridiculous. Why do we keep doing this? There's this circular, this greater time underneath the surface of what you think is history. And indigenous people, especially these long-term tribes that have been isolated, see this quite clearly. Is it just too much for us? Can we really take what, what's out there? Or do we have to develop these masks over the surface of things? Because it's just so much out there in the universe. It can really just take your little world and shatter it. And, and take it apart piece by piece because there's so much we don't know. And so part of culture maybe, you know, beyond success strategies of living and, and coping and finding balance, uh, beyond that, maybe there's the mass we put on eternity. Egyptians had, a, I think, the millionaire god. They have some interesting concepts. You know, Egyptians were all about the next world, death, and to prepare, prepare yourself for death, this other, this other world that you'll live in. And it's, that's what we're preparing in this life. We had this, this uh, beautiful uh, movement of their culture towards the time when we die, that we prepare for that. We prepare for this other world. I mean, you don't die and you're not non-existent unless the big alligator monster eats you if your heart doesn't balance out, <laughs> which would be quite fearful to an Egyptian. That you don't die, you just, you're just digested in the belly of this great monster because you had an unrighteous life. You weren't a moral person. You didn't... You did things you shouldn't do, and pretty much the Ten Commandments are in Egyptian uh, history and in Egyptian writings, the hieroglyphics. The, the Ten Commandments were always there, I think with the exception of a couple of them. They're very moralistic people. The Book of the Dead's all about them. How did you live your life? What do you need to say to the gods that each god will question you? How did you live this day? What did you do to your fellow man? How, and, and, and that's, you know, these are all these questions that get asked to you when you die. This judgment takes place. And you have to know what to say and how to move around these things. Because if you don't, you're in big trouble. You get preoccupied. So the zeitgeist, the, the, the person locked in this time and culture with, you, you know, with the ancient Egyptians, it wasn't really present because you're really working towards being in the land of the dead, that other world. It's going to be a lot better and a lot more perfected than this one. You're working towards that. You're working towards living your life so you can be in this, this paradise of beautiful fields and flowers and animals and all that's in the ancient Egyptian hieroglyphics. Unbelievable. There wasn't a separation between art and religion. It wasn't religion, it's the way you lived your life. We have this negative view or sometimes of the Egyptian people. I think when you start reading the actual writings of them, you see something quite different than what you're seeing in the movies, like the Ten Commandments. I mean, everybody has their own story, and if you're an outside religion, and that's the you know that's the enemy. You don't you you're the one that's right, not them. And so you create this sort of philosophy. I don't know, David. Uh, you're running over the time limit again. I'm doing it again. Getting on. Yes. Okay. So the zeitgeist. Uh, it's interesting when compared to indigenous societies that's been around a long time, you know, what was going on there. 
and what's still going on in some of these places and what is and has the nine to five reality become so so powerful now that we don't even we're not even free anymore we're so enslaved to debt and so enslaved to to a time schedule and so enslaved to getting savings or even just paying a bill that we don't have time to think about anything else we're enslaved to the factory we're enslaved to our to the ideal you know 10 successful ways to be everything you want times it by 10 there's this whole success strategy that this person's written out that whatever you want just times that by 10 and and, and then you're going to finally get what you want by thinking successfully. But what is success? How is that measured? Is it measured in terms of money? Is it measured in terms of power? Or is it measured in terms of being balanced and being connected to being alive in your heart and having the freedom to experience the life that's going to be your life short? It doesn't last too long, at least in this, this type of reality. Has it? Has this in, in America and other places become so powerful that we no longer are free to do anything except maybe have a a two-week vacation and, and watch a tv show and get drunk or watch a lot of tv shows and then you know go to bed make love to your wife have some kids you got to work for that and then go to work pay your bills hoping for that retirement like the friend i had at 50 he had planned everything had all his savings had everything planned out, and he was getting ready to retire at 50, but he hadn't spent a lot of time with his family because he was so busy saving. He was so busy paying off his house that he didn't have time to go see his son's football game or his wrestling match or his daughter his daughter doing gymnastics and winning a gold medal. His daughter was very talented. He just didn't have time for that because he was preparing for, you know, at the end of the 50 years, he's going to be able to spend all this time with his family. He had a heart attack and died on his 50th birthday. I was right around that time period when he turned 50, and he just, suddenly he wasn't there anymore. And his wife's, and he didn't have, he didn't take the time. It's like we're waiting for the for the great time off. We're waiting for to take the deep breath forever. <laughs> But what you find out is the system set up that it, you're enslaved to a factory. You're enslaved to the bank. You're enslaved to Congress. You're enslaved to people that are owned by corporations. That aren't. It's nothing about freedom anymore. It's about what do you... You're being financed by a corporation. You're being financed by a thought, you know, a think tank. And it's not about the freedom of... The, the common man is non-existent in terms of their rights. Because you're so enslaved to a system, it doesn't matter who the president is. So who is better, Trump or Biden? You know, I don't know. Some people argue with you all day, and this is why so and so is better. But it's kind of the same thing, isn't it? It's just kind of. Hey, you're getting, getting a little long-winded here. <laughs> all right, Murky. Now it's time for me to play a song, right? Should I? Pl Let's look through our '78 Speed collection here. Hey, I have a cool one all picked out here. You have one? Oh, yeah. cool. It's a 1920 song? Yeah. Nice. And how about I'll play one of your songs? <laughs> no? All right. Let's 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 go to the song you have queued up, Murky. You're, you're wonderful that way. All right.
times have you said I love you? How many times have you said I'll be true? How many wonderful sweeties have you told that to? How many times have certain feelings helped you so that it's the feeling? How many hands have you held all alone? How many lips have you pressed to your own? I'd hate to think that you kissed too many, but I'd be worse if you hadn't kissed any. Please tell me how many times. song, Murky. Uh, how many times, huh? Hmm. <laughs> as many times as you want, my dear. Yeah. Well, we're getting towards the end, the very end of our old year and coming into the new year. So time is shifting. My mom used to say if you really listened, you could hear all the clocks in the world shifting and moving towards the new year. I wonder, yeah, I think even on tribal levels, there's a lot of shifts in the sun and the moon and their ceremonies and celebrations and reverence time and fearful times that come with with a lot, with the old year fading away and the new year coming. Of course, a lot of tribes go by the lunar cycle versus the solar cycle, but whatever, right? So we're getting ready to say goodbye to the old year. And, of course, we don't want to date this, this, this uh, program too much, so you can listen to it all year long in the new year of 2023. Right, Murky? Yeah. I like good dates, especially when there is a lot of beer involved and beautiful men who want to comb my hair and other things as well. <laughs> yeah. So, um, do we have any songs? No? Yeah, oh We're going to... We're going to... We're gonna now we're gonna play something with yeah we're gonna play at least one song, um something you could pick out okay Murky, and then we're gonna after the song. One of the yeah and just a little bit of history of this because on our frequency of thirty seven thirty one kilohertz in the uh, eighty meter band, we often get uh, we have conflicts with this, <laughs> well with other broadcasters with other stations. And especially with this very interesting character, I've done a whole show on him, Duke Nukem. He's a very bizarre, this is a very bizarre station that's somewhere in the North Seas. You can't really pin it down. 
and it shows up on a lot, lot of frequencies uh, all through uh, the amateur radio, the shortwave ham radio frequencies. It always pops up in the weirdest places. And it, it's somebody that has a lot of talent, but it's also something really bizarre. Uh, some people feel like it's not even living. And like I've talked about before, uh, when you get up there in the, um, the ionosphere, and the, the ionosphere, 50 to 300 miles up there in the air, it moves around. It's living. And the ionosphere will drop down or it will move up. So during the daytime, you don't really have as good a propagation because um, the broadcast frequency stays towards the ground more, towards the Earth. And as the sun goes down, uh, the ionosphere gets closer, and then your frequencies go up into the ionosphere and move around way up there. And the sun and a lot of different things carry that and, and interfere with that signal and cause all kinds of bizarre and beautiful things to happen. And this is why I love static. Uh, and I think sometimes we cut that out of our digital frequencies now. We want this perfection of sound. And we miss the weirdness, the strangeness that gets you to open your mind to other realms, as we've talked about, to get you out of the 9 to 5 reality. And there are some weird, bizarre things on night AM radio between stations, in between stations, which we talk about. We want If you want to wake yourself up, if you want to hear some freaky things like ghost voices and distant dead radio stations and... Some of my friends feel like the dead even broadcast and talk in these night frequencies of radio like AM and shortwave. And I think it's true. There's, if you take the time to really listen and get that perfection of sound out of your mind, because what is sound? And what does it do to us? And what does it do to us when we hear very strange things, things that aren't familiar to us? Or, or we hear a voice of a living or dead person. Anyway, um, Duke Nukem, we don't know. We don't. I don't. I think I'm one of the only people that really keeps keeps track, mostly because I'm on this uh, 3731 kilohertz so much, and that's where we broadcast. So we hear this guy a lot, but he's all over the place, guy or whatever he is. You're welcome to listen, but I'm telling you, there's something really bizarre there. And yeah, we, and we, it's pretty done, weird um, stuff for sure. Yep, almost as weird as you drinking those 800 cups of coffee tonight. Yes, I've had a lot of coffee, Murky. Uh, way too much. I had like nine cups. Because <laughs> i got to stay awake, folks. I've been up for two days now. We've been working on the shortwave and talking to friends and trying to line up this radio show we weren't going to do. So I'm a little hyped hey, out. I can calm you down a bit. And I think you will like it, too. You'll get me relaxed, Murky. <laughs> Wait. I don't know what you mean by that. Uh, yeah, okay. Close your eyes and take a big deep breath and I will help you along a little take bit. Take a deep breath. <laughs> All right. We love you folks, right, Murky? Yeah. We're going to have the best year possible. It's been a really tough year for a lot of us, you know. As you know, I lost my, my beautiful girlfriend, Tiva. It's been really, really hard. Murky knows that. And so, and all of, and I'm sure there's people out there that's had a heartbreaker. And maybe it has some really nice things, too. With COVID and all the other crazy things in the Ukraine, and just the world's kind of a mess right now. We're kind of moving from one era into another. 
think it was Herman Hesse that said, the man that, or woman that's the most trapped is the one that's in between two time periods. And it kind of feels like that's where we're at. We're shifting into something we don't quite understand or see. And we feel this, this restlessness that wakes us up in the middle of the night. And if you read literature from the early 20th century... You're running over the time limit again. over time again? Yeah. <laughs> if you read this literature, uh, you'll find people in 1912, 1913, before the Great War started, doing the same thing. When the Spanish flu started going after World War I, people waking up in the middle of the night before the stock market crashed. For all these crazy things, when people would wake up in the middle of the night. People couldn't sleep. They'd have these dark dreams. The great depth psychologist Carl Jung had an amazing vision of the end of the world, of, of these two wars taking place, of blood coming up inside of this tr passenger train. He was writing to give this conference to all these doctors. And he went into this deep psychosis. Things happen to us when we begin to sense the end of a time and the beginning of another one, especially if it's something dark. And I'm hoping it's not. I'm hoping we're, we're merging into something beautiful. And uh, let's, let's keep that candle and that light burning. So we're going to let you listen to Duke Nukem, the new stuff that we've recorded, some of it. I would put the earphones on and really listen because there's some strange things going on there. Is this a disembodied spirit? I don't know. Is it a recording? Is it different frequencies? Is it a shift to consciousness? I think it's all those things. And shortwave radio is that beautiful liquid sound that's not edited. It's not digital. It's just, it's open to whatever you want to feel and hear. So, um, all right. So I don't know if I want, Happy New Year. Uh, it's coming soon. We love all, we, all of you. <laughs> Take a deep breath, Murky. <sighs> okay. <laughs> Here's a big hug from Ian Murky and from In Between Stations Radio. Thank you for listening. We're getting a lot of listeners on board now. It's a lot of hard work doing a radio show, especially when it's live. Um, and so we're grateful that you listen and keep sending us those emails and texts. Okay, so we're going to play a... Murky has a song queued up here. Or <laughs> I know I was supposed to play it, but I'm going to let the master play it. She's going to play a song about leaving behind old things and starting out new. Maybe that's what coming year is all about. Some of us need to let go of things. That's a tough one for me. <laughs> I don't know how much I'm going to let go of Tiva, but I'm gonna, I need to let go of some situations. And... We all do. Some of those often deal with our heart. So, whatever you have there, Tiva, <laughs> whatever you have there, Murky, go ahead and play it, and then we'll go, and then after that, we'll take you into the, um, the Duke Nukem stuff, the newer stuff we've recorded, and you can kind of, you can kind of tune into that weirdness to bring in the new year. <laughs> all right. This is In Between Stations Radio with Murky Ann Bell and David Hartley signing off the air on 3731 kilohertz in the 80 meter band shortwave radio. See ya! 2023! Wow! <laughs> Bye! Goodbye everybody. Love you.
we were saying how very important it is to bring about in the human mind the radical revolution. The crisis is a crisis in consciousness, a crisis that cannot anymore accept the old norms, the old patterns, the ancient traditions. And considering what the world is now, with all their misery, conflict, destructive brutality, aggression, and so on, man is still as he was, is still brutal, violent, aggressive, acquisitive, competitive, and he has built a society along these lines. Feeling like Jericho, feeling like 
joke when he lost his shit Gotta hold my own, my cross to bed alone night Ooh, way to dip, way to kill the mood No, you like that shit, can't groove it, baby, baby Heavy on my empty mind, shit I gotta keep on losing the first of May Still worry that I wasted the best of me on your bed I choose not to respond I don't regret just pretend Shit never happened Half of us laying waste That our youth is in the present Half of us chasing fountains of youth And it's in the present now
один момент. Объясните, Виктор Иванович. Смотрите. Пока он крутит гопак, он слышит только гопак.